Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Friday edition of the Great Scott Show. Oh. The Los Angeles Lakers were eliminated from the NBA postseason last night, as were the Portland Trailblazers. We're going to dig into that quite a bit. NBA playoff chatter, big upset, first day of the Women's College World Series. We have Saints chatter to get into. Ross Jackson will join me at 7.15 this morning. Gus Cattengill is uh, on a trip this week. We'll have open phone lines as well at 269-1077. Quite a bit to get into. Rainy out there. Be safe on the roads. It's raining this morning, cloudy thunderstorms kind of on and off throughout the day, high of 85. That is your weather update from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Daniel Phillips. The Lakers eliminated and the hot takes were out in full force. Now with the Lakers elimination, the teams that have won the previous nine NBA titles have all been eliminated. Of the remaining playoff teams, the most recent one to win a title was the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. Dirk Nowitzki goes off that postseason. They win the they win the, the the title as the three seed in the West. They beat the Heat in their first year of the Big Three. Some new blood, some fresh faces for the NBA. Apparently, some. National talking heads are upset about it because, God forbid, they're actually going to have to watch some of the games of these teams now. <laughs> Non-glamour franchises, okay. I can't just sit here and say, well, their best player needs to go somewhere else. They're not going to know what to do. The Knicks, they were eliminated night before last. And you keep hearing the fan, the foundation has been built. The foundation. Knicks had a good season. Good for them. It was fine. It was cool. They surpassed everyone's expectation. There's no question about it. We also know that they won one playoff game, played way too many minutes for their players, as Tom Thibodeau does, for their good players. For their top six that got minutes were all guys that are 30 or older. Come on. But they're in New York, so the foundation is built. If that had happened in, say, New Orleans, Memphis, guess what? You're not hearing that. You're not. It's not happening. Sacramento does that? No. Come on. Small market team gets ousted in five games. A lot of their core pieces are older guys that can't do it long-term. No, no, it's not a foundation. You saw a lot of members, a lot of talking heads that don't follow the league super closely. They just go on and yell about things, starting to freak out last night because they're realizing, oh, God, I'm going to have to work here over the next couple of I'm going to actually have to watch these playoffs and cover teams that I don't know much about. Aside from that, let's look at the game itself. If you are not happy for Monty Williams, then I don't think you'd be happy for anyone. Genuinely happy 
for Monty Williams. The guy has been through personal tragedy. The guy has been through a ton. He is beloved and respected throughout the league, and he just got past the first round for the first time as a head coach and did it against a Lakers team that many figured even as a seven seed they were going to win. Now, the reality is the Lakers, once AD got hurt, the series, if you didn't know it yet, the series was kind of over. Laugh and mock AD all you want, and there's plenty of that going on. And get all over LeBron if you want, and I'm, there's plenty of that going on. But the reality is, when AD got hurt, at that time, late in the game, Lakers were up in the series 2-1. to one. They were starting to look good. No one knew if Chris Paul was going to be able to come back and play. Oh, my God, here come the Lakers. They're better than everyone else. And then, without AD, they promptly got stomped for three games. Barkley calling Anthony Davis street clothes, and then Charles Barkley ripping L.A. for the medical staff for putting him out there. Yeah, he felt pressure to play last night, but didn't last long. Phoenix wins 113-110. Devin Booker goes off 47 points. It's a great spot for Phoenix, who now gets to play the Denver Nuggets, who were down 14, came back last night and beat the Blazers. And if you've watched that series and you haven't watched much of Denver this year, you see why. Now, if you didn't know, and I know, again, some talking heads hadn't really watched them. Now they're going to have to. Why Nikola, why, uh, why Jokic is the presumptive MVP this year? Guy was brilliant. I mean, I don't, I don't know what – he just – ordinary, like really tall, but like it's not like a chiseled physique. Man, that guy, I don't know. Is it, is it dad strength? Is that what it is? Just – Enormous strength for that guy. Very durable. And um, just fantastic. And the Nuggets move on from the first round for the third straight season. And now they get to take on the Phoenix Suns. Shout out Ryan Bowen, friend of the program, former New Orleans Hornet, who is on the Nuggets coaching staff. And Damian Lillard, yeah, Blazers went out in the first round, but that guy's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And no, he's not leaving Portland, everybody. Portland will make some changes, but one of those changes will not be letting the face of the franchise, one of the most beloved players in franchise history, some would argue the most beloved. I don't know. You could go back to some of those Blazers teams back in the day. Clyde Drexler certainly up there. But he's not going anywhere. Well, I mean, in terms of another team. He's going somewhere to Cancun or somewhere. These guys are getting on a flight and, the offseason has arrived for some of them. For the first time in LeBron's career, eliminated in the first round. Now, there was a couple of years early in his career and then, um, you know, uh, two years ago where they didn't get in the playoffs. But all these other – I mean, the guys played 264 postseason games. You realize that's ridiculous. Guys had over three seasons worth of games just in the playoffs in his career. But this wasn't the bubble. This team was exhausted. And 
trading for Danny Green and 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 Dennis Schroeder, it didn't work. Phoenix, who some thought would be a seven or eight seed this year, they're better than that. They're a two seed. Now they have home court advantage in the second round of the playoffs against Denver. So more of these second round matchups are beginning to be set. The only one you have left now is the Clippers and the Mavericks. And the Clippers and the Mavericks, you got game six tonight. Let's see if the uh, road team advantage, the road court advantage continues. Dallas hosts the Clips. I imagine, uh, yeah, I actually think the Clippers are going to win. And then if they do, you'll have a game seven on Sunday, which would air here on ESPN 1420. Tonight's game will be on ESPN 1420. Clips Mavs. Tomorrow night's game between Milwaukee and Brooklyn. First game of that second round matchup will air here on ESPN 1420. We got plenty of playoff basketball for you on our airwaves. It's Friday. We got a Pro Nola segment coming up. This time I'll be joined by Ross Jackson, co-managing editor of Canal Street Chronicles, SB Nation site covering the Saints. He is host of the Locked on Saints podcast. Lot to get into. We're now into June. Will the Saints make a trade to free up cap space? How are they going to free up this space that they need to use to sign their rookies? How are they going to... I mean, is it, it going to be extensions? You're going to extend Ramcheck? What's going on here? A lot of questions... That I think, you know, if the Saints actually were on the field during minicamp and practicing, we could take a look. Can't really do that this year. But still a lot to talk about in regards to the Saints roster. Don't go anywhere. Ross Jackson joins me next. It's the great Scott show coming up here with you on a Friday. We'll have open phone lines after Ross talking more about the NBA postseason. It's all coming your way right here on Acadiana's Best Sports Leader. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank Pro Nola segment on a Friday, as we do each and every Friday this morning. The Great Ross joins me, Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, now the co-managing editor of the Canal Street Chronicles website, SB Nation blog that covers the Saints, host of Locked On Saints. You hear him on podcasts, you hear him on radio hits, you read his stuff online, and uh, you're going to hear him this morning right now on a Friday. I know he's got a busy schedule today. Thanks for making time for us, Ross. Good morning. What's up? Hey, really good morning. Always a pleasure to be here with you. So uh, it's June, and yet Saints fans are just craving content, looking for it everywhere. Um, you know, I, I when I get to the summertime, Ross – you know, you have kind of important dates. June 1st is one. We'll explain why in a moment. And then when they get to training camp and then if someone's extended. But I end up like interviewing former players or doing a lot of sort of evergreen conversations maybe. Now, this, this summer's a little different because the NBA playoffs are going to go into July. But, you know, top five this or that or most underrated Saints ever. You know, like what 
what is your go-to for content this time of year? Because um, judging from uh, your radio hit schedule, you're pretty busy. People are craving the content. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, for me, with, with Locked on Saints in particular, it's always about what the listener wants to hear, you know? And so I'm always asking questions about, hey, what are some of the storylines that you want to hear about? What are some of the things you want to dive into? And then, you know, thankfully, I, I have a, at least a knowledge around the New Orleans Saints, not just talk about what's going on right now, but to be able to talk back throughout the history of the team as well and maybe tell somebody a story or something like that, that they haven't heard before. Like yesterday, the USFL was announced that it was coming back in 2022, and the USL was a humongous building block for the New Orleans Saints back in the 1980s for what was essentially the original golden age where they went from being a team without a winning record since their you know, um, incorporation in 1967 to seven straight years of no, no losing seasons, going to the playoffs in a few of those years, five winning seasons during that time. And so, uh, you know, just being able to talk a little bit more about maybe some of the additional context throughout Saints history. But other than that, you know, breaking down players, looking ahead to the 2021 season, kind of looking at the different training camp battles that are setting up. The thing about the New Orleans Saints is that they're always interesting, and I'm always grateful for that. Yeah, they, they definitely give us plenty of content. And uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. I think I think it was yesterday, it would have been Sam Mills' 62nd birthday. You talk about the USFL, right. his impact there, and then coming with Mora and joining the Saints. Uh, one, you know, one of the best players not in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um, and I need to... Um, you know, I need to mail you a New Orleans Breakers shirt just so you can rock an old USFL New Orleans shirt. Everybody be like, what is that? I would Who are the Breakers? Love it. I would love it. It's funny because, you know, they brought in uh, Buford Jordan from the uh, New Orleans Breakers, and the Breakers, of course, moved to Portland a couple of years into uh, the USFL. But, you know, even the New Orleans Saints were able to tap into some New Orleans Breakers love. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there were several players that came in from the uh, – USFL to work with New Orleans. In fact, half of the Dome Patrol, right? Because not just Sam Mills, who Jim Mora called the best player he's ever coached, but also, uh, you know, Von Johnson came in over there same year that Pat Swilling was drafted out of college. And, you know, the formation of the Dome Patrol really started with the 1986 influx of USFL players. And, of course, Bobby Abair, who went on to be a starting quarterback for them and was the quarterback for the Saints winning season, uh, came from the USFL as well. He actually went against Jim Mora twice in the USFL championships. Uh, lost the, I mean, won the first time, lost the second time. But Jim Mora was familiar with him, but not because he was playing for him, but because they met so often in the championship uh, round. And, and uh, Buford Jordan, you referenced him a minute ago. Um He's from Iota, which isn't too far from here, and he's still in great shape, and, and, and I've interviewed him before. But, man, you know, talking about Jim Mora rants, which I know you did with my friends over the Saints Happy Hour <laughs> podcast, like there, there's so many great ones, but when he called in to the show on, like, the, the open access channel in New Orleans when Buford Jordan was on mm-hmm. with I, – I, well, I don't think it was Roe Brown. I don't remember who the host was. Anyway, I should go back and watch it on YouTube. It's been a while, but – that's Jim Mora, just like sitting there watching it, right. calls in, and they're not there. You could tell immediately they're like, oh, God, what's he going to say? You know, and then he like builds them. <laughs> it's almost like he almost has like a, a, a wrestling sense about him. I'm like, let me build you up. Let me build you up. Right. And now I'm just going to just insult you right here with a jab. It makes me want to puke. Like, I remember, I remember listening to like a coach's show in like 2000 something when Haslett was the coach, and Mora just calls like as a caller. 
like, let's go to gym on line three. And he's like, hey, guys, how you doing? And Haslett immediately knew it was him, but the host didn't. And he didn't he didn't insult him. He was nice to him. But I'm like, there's just – God bless Jim Moore. Like, there's that's just not something coaches would do. And yet, you know, by the way, he looks great for 86. I, 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 I right. got to give him that much. But his – Jim Moore is a treasure, man. Like, you talk about evergreen content. He's just – even whenever he's, you know, leaves this world, God bless him. He's we're gonna have Jim Mora content forever. Oh yeah, no, he'll he'll forever be appreciated uh, for for his, for his personality and who he is and his accessibility too. Like, I wonder how he would have fit into. I think he would have navigated the Twitter age well as a as a, an NFL head coach. Yeah, I think that he would have navigated that very well because he would have been accessible to the uh, to to the fan base. He would have been somebody that would have created shareable content and everything. You know, the New Orleans Saints as a whole have a really good social media presence in terms of their their video team and everybody. I mean, they do such a great job with social media. Them and, and the Pelicans, they, they share a social media team for you know some overlap there, but. You know, you look at the quarterback competitions and all those things that the team does during training camp, and you have to imagine that you know if Jim Mora was coaching in this era, that that would be some thousand percent find a way to you know make sure that he was involved in and had some had some fun along with the team. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Ross Jackson, our guest. Yeah, anytime I say something that the listeners or or when I have a co-host just doesn't agree with, they love to play this Jim Mora clip. Who said that? Scott. <laughs> Tell Scott he's full. Of- so it's a it's a good go to. He has a very good uh, presence on this show. Ross Jackson, our guest. All right, Ross. Let's uh, let's talk about the current Saints team for a moment. They're uh, what uh, I don't I don't know the exact number um, that they're uh, under the cap, but it's not two point five million. They need to be roughly two point five million in order to sign their rookies. There are a number of ways they can do it, but explain to our listeners how they could possibly do it and how you think they inevitably will do it. Yeah. So they still have a couple of options. Um, and, and, you know, so at this point they're let's just say around $350,000 under the salary cap at the moment, it's, it's, it's thereabouts. Uh, but you know, if they want to be able to sign their rookies, there are a couple of options here. The most immediate and sort of easiest way that doesn't require a bit of a two way street in negotiation is that now that we're beyond June 1st, if the Saints were to make the decision to move on from Latavius Murray, which is a decision that they can make, though it's not one I think they will, it would save them about $3.1 million just from moving on from Latavius. I think Latavius Murray has been a, an absolute um, uh, goldmine for them since they signed him, particularly you know if you consider how much he makes to be a part of this team. He had 12 third down runs last year, and he converted first downs on 11 of those. So he has been somebody that's been nearly automatic for them in third and short situations. They trust very well as a pass blocker, as well as somebody that has developed as a uh, a pass catcher out of the backfield. He was targeted 42 times last year uh, in the passing game. And so I think that he does enough of everything, and he's been very solid for this team and you know has stood in and had 100-yard games with Alvin Kamara out. For, for the team as well. So I don't think that it makes sense to move on from Latavius Murray, but if things get to desperation mode, that could be an option for them. Uh, the other, and, and I think more sensible options, and the ones that they seem to be a little bit more focused on right now, are extensions of young stars like Marcus Williams and Ryan Ramchek in particular. There's already been an, a ton of conversation around the idea that the Saints are interested in extending Ryan Ramchek. You can look back to 
March, and Ian Rappaport over on Total Access, who mentioned him uh, as somebody that the Saints were looking and hoping to extend along with Marshawn Lattimore. Now, since then, Marshawn Lattimore has had the off-season arrest, so I don't know how much of uh, you know how much in a rush they or for that matter, Marshawn's agent is even into the idea of him getting an extension because if he gets suspended at the beginning of the season, it could mess with any of the guaranteed money that comes into that newly negotiated contract. So probably not the best situation for him to be extended at this moment. But another guy to look at would be Marcus Williams, who's currently on a franchise tag, and they have until July 15th to get him extended. Otherwise, he'll have to play through 2021 on that tag. So he and Ryan Ramchick seem to be the two places where the Saints could extend could lock down a couple of you know stars for their future and a couple of core players that they worked really hard to retain this offseason, particularly in um, particularly in Marcus Williams, and also create themselves some salary cap space here in the immediate future. Ross Jackson, our guest at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN fourteen twenty. Where um, where do you think Cesar Ruiz will line up this year? Are they going to move him to guard, center? Is he going to remain at guard? I thought his rookie year was. Kind of a mixed bag. Some games he was outstanding. Others he he looked very much out of sorts. Yeah, and you know he had better games late in the season, although they weren't consistent. Uh, but still a good sign to see him progress forward there. Because I'm starting to think that he is going to remain at at excuse me that he is going to remain at right guard over the course of the 2021 season. And I've only recently begun to feel that way based on Zach Streif's comments, actually, um, during the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame golf outing that they had. Uh, you know, Zach Streif has now returned to the team in the capacity of assistant offensive line coach, which I think is just such a great thing for the New Orleans Saints and for Zach Streif, of course. But he ends up you know, mentioning that it's going to be very hard to beat Eric McCoy out of that spot at the, you know, as the anchor for the offensive line. And, and it makes sense. I mean, he's been an outstanding center for this team who has, you know, gone down the line of very good centers. Brian De La Puente, they of course had Max Unger for years and they moved to Eric McCoy. They've been very fortunate at that position to go from solid player to solid player and need really to upset that if that's where the team feels like the future of the position is, is with Eric McCoy. No need to swap up two positions as opposed to just working on getting one position um, kind of up to speed. I mean, remember that Eric McCoy, excuse me, uh, Cesar Ruiz came in and the idea was to have him play center, but then there was really no no training camp last year. They got about three weeks of, of, of off-season work in terms of training camp, and half of that time he spent injured. And then the half of the other half of time, right, a quarter of the time he spent at center and the other quarter of the time he spent at right guard. So if they just focus him at right guard where he now has a full season of work invested, I think that you'll see him improve there. And if that happens, that would probably be the best case scenario for New Orleans going into 2021 with the offensive line. A lot of various questions. I was talking earlier this week with my friend Ralph about the tight end spot. And there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of hype around Adam Troutman. Um, he's also going to be in his second year out of Dayton and he caught 15 passes last year and, you know, he's not playing with Josh Hill and Jared Cook, you know, it's different when you're number three there and, um, and in terms of your role and what you do, I know that cornerback linebacker, uh, these were big positions of need that I think a lot of fans and pundits still look at as, as positions of need for this team. Is is tight end kind of like a sneaky one that that's being 
and I guess in my opinion, I feel like it's being overlooked. It's I I don't know you know I don't know much about Nick Vanette and things like that. I just know you lose Cook, who I know fans had a um, uh, let's say questionable relationship with, but he caught a lot of yeah, touchdowns. But- <laughs> and Josh Hill, who did so many little things. I, I I got I got I got concerns about that spot, and I I hope Troutman works out, Ross. But I just hadn't seen enough to 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 get in. I guess I don't understand all the hype right now around him. I think it's more hope than hype. But yet a lot of the fans are, it, you know, it seems like more hype than hope. Just they just like are penciling him in to be this fantasy star. Yeah, I mean, I think you're I think you're right. I mean, this is a position that's that's vastly unproven to this point because you don't really have. First of all, you don't have a single tight end on that roster that has taken, you know, a, a considerable amount of snaps for this team and in this system playing in a tight end one role because you're you have a roster full of of tight ends that haven't that didn't play for the team last year, or you have Adam Troutman who played a different role, mainly a blocking role, and then he developed a little bit as a receiver as the season went on, but not enough for you to say oh, yeah, that's going to be the next guy. Now, can can Adam Troutman be that guy? Absolutely. I mean, he had 916 receiving yards in college. He had 14 receiving touchdowns in his final season. And, yes, it was at Dayton. But, hey, you know, you dominate against your competition. That's what you're supposed to do. And so I, I think that he has the tool set to do it for certain. There's no doubt about that. But is it fully developed at this time? That's the biggest question mark. We just simply don't know that yet. So I do think that there's a lot of reason to warrant a little bit of, you know, question, you know, a little bit of questioning around the player and what he's going to be able to produce in 2021. There's not really a way to fully project that moving forward, considering that tight end along with maybe interior offensive line are the two positions that are hardest to transition to out of college into the pros because they're entirely different positions once you get to the NFL. And so with all of that in mind, I do think that it's worthy. It's worth being cautious around the tight end position and asking questions about, you know, is that a spot that they might still look to address this offseason should they create the salary cap space and have the ability to do so? I mean, you already see Juwan Johnson, right. former wide receiver, transitioning over to tight end. So clearly they're also looking at other options at the position to see how they can fill out the rest of that room. I mean, Johnson, he, he just was – he's too – you're going to be a 6'4", 231-pound receiver – you got to have like the speed to go with it, and I, I never got that sense from him. Maybe just maybe he has straight line speed, but in terms of the necessary cuts and getting into the routes, it, it always seemed like a step slow. Um, now at tight end, it just it feels different by nature, and I don't know if they're really deep at that position that they're considering switching him over, but. It's worth taking a look. I mean, you know, if if he can, he's already big. Now he's he was too big for one spot. Now he probably needs to add a few lbs at this spot. Um, right. I don't know. I when I read it, I, I I think players switching positions doesn't happen often, especially well, especially the NFL level rather. But um, but I I, I kind of it kind of made sense to me. I was like, yeah, that's that's not a surprise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's another Dan Arnold move, right? It, it, it's essentially the exact same transition we saw Dan Arnold make, uh, but maybe Juwan Johnson a little bit, you know, uh, bigger in terms of his weight and has the ability to maybe add a little bit more to his frame, not as wiry as a guy like Dan Arnold. But, you know, look, I, I think that for Juwan Johnson, it's a smart decision, right? It gives it gets him out of a very crowded wide receiver room of players that are going to have some trouble potentially um, individualizing themselves or standing out from that crowd. 
and it gets him to a much smaller room and it gives it puts him in a position to where outside of Adam Trotman right now, there's not necessarily a proven pass catcher at the at the tight end position. And even Adam Trotman, you kind of wonder if he's proven at the pro football level yet, right? Kind of as we're talking about, like how much of this is it has transitioned and translated for him to the pro level still remains to be seen. And so I think that for Juwan Johnson, he ends up adding you know, a little bit of an element of himself that individually helps him stand out amongst the rest of that tight end room that wouldn't help him over with the wide receiver room. But what's going to be challenging for him is going to be the route and the route tree and how he's able to move, you know, in short spaces. What is his ability to be able to cut, change direction, all of that at his size and be able to, you know, utilize any type of fluidity of mobility during, you know, in, in those sort of short area quickness type routes. And then also, what is he going to be able to do in terms of improving his hands? Because this is somebody who is six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds, playing at, who was previously playing at the wide receiver position, but in his final year in college, he only had a thirty three percent contested catch rate. You would expect a guy that is of that size to be a little bit more off that chart. Ross Jackson, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I'm Scott Prather. Michael Thomas coming off of a season where he played injured, some off-season surgeries. Um, well, I mean, as soon as the same season ended, uh, very publicly, you know, let it be known, he wouldn't have minded if those Russell Wilson rumors that feel like an eternity ago weren't that long ago, but feel a long time ago. But, mm-hmm. you know, made public that he would be good with that. Um, hasn't been doing as much posting, you know, had a, a an Instagram picture where he was, looks like he put on, a, you know, some muscle mass, but... Um, what, what is the, considering you're going to have a new quarterback, he's coming off of a year that had headlines off the field, injuries on it. Obviously he's a special player, highest paid guy on the team. What is the proper, or let me not, maybe not proper Ross. What is your expectations for Michael Thomas in 2021? I think Michael Thomas comes back in 2021 and takes the, let the let the on-field work speak for itself type of approach. Um, I think that he'll, you know, continue to be his personality, and he certainly shouldn't change that. He should still be outspoken. He should still be himself. But I do expect that he'll come into training camp in 2021 and put it out on the field, which I think will be really good for him and honestly will be very good for the New Orleans Saints too because he was such a missed factor last year just in terms of the team's ability to generate yardage, the team's ability to convert on third down, the team's ability to do all these things that, you know, he's such a huge part of. And now all of a sudden he ends up working with a new quarterback or Jameis Winston, whomever ends up winning that quarterback spot. And maybe another level of his game ends up getting unlocked in terms of his ability to be able to produce in the deep, let's say intermediate to deep area of the field. Uh, a bit more than than what he had been doing with Drew Brees over the course of the last couple of seasons. And that's, of course, no insult to Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees himself talked about like the things that he felt like he couldn't do last year at that same golf tournament that I referenced earlier. And so I, I think that, you know, that potentially opens up some opportunities for a guy like Michael Thomas to continue or maybe, let me not say continue, but maybe get himself back into the conversation of being the best wide receiver in the NFL after coming off of a record you know, reception season and then having that injury riddled season last year, I think that he'll look for his bounce back. And I think probably the way that he'll go about it is going to be by, you know, letting the on-field resume speak for itself. You mentioned Taysom or Jameis. I know that 
Last year when Breeze got hurt, many were assuming, myself included, Jameis would start. A couple in the media said, eh, maybe not. Taysom did. We were surprised. Some said we shouldn't be. Feels like since the offseason started, uh, a lot of the belief from most of us is that Jameis will start. Um, are we making the same mistake twice? Could Taysom Hill come out and start a quarterback and Jameis just be on the bench week one? It, it very well could happen. I mean, it's going to come down to the to the performance of both of them. I think this is a legitimate quarterback competition. Like this is an actual quarterback competition. Nobody has been you know granted a head start at this point or anything like that outside of what they already have on their resume. And I do think that James Winston has the better resume right now, despite the thirty interception season. He's got five years of starting quarterback experience versus Taysom Hill with four games of quarterback experience. But it doesn't mean that the Saints won't look at it the other way around and say, hey, there's still much more for us to see about Taysom Hill, who didn't have access to a generous portion of the playbook last year, right? Like they didn't run any two-minute drills, didn't run any type of hurry-up offense approach, things like that with Taysom Hill because he didn't have that part of the playbook yet. And so, you know, you expect to see him develop and part of his ability to win the quarterback position would be contingent upon his ability to be able to grasp that part of the playbook and contingency upon the opportunity for him to be able to share the ball to to all of the playmakers on this offense, Alvin Kamara included. I know that was a big criticism of Taysom Hill, but during the Philadelphia Eagles game, he targeted you know uh, Alvin Kamara eight times, um, excuse me, ten times in the passing game. And so I, I do think that you know that would be contingent upon him being able to win that quarterback position, the idea that he can spread the ball around and get it to their playmakers. But I do think that it's a legitimate quarterback uh, conversation, but I do think that Jameis Winston will also get his opportunity here to prove that he should be the guy. I mean, Sean Payton is true to his word, and what Sean Payton did, according to to himself, at um, you know, on a great podcast appearance that he made uh, a couple of months ago, he mentioned that the reason that they gave Taysom Hill the opportunity to season is because that was the agreement that they had put in place when Taysom Hill signed his contract before Jameis Winston ever even entered the picture was that, hey, if Drew Brees gets hurt during the season, then you're the guy. You're the guy that's going to go in and you're going to get your opportunity. And then when they missed him, according to Sean Payton, he knew he, Jameis showed up with the understanding that when Drew Brees moved on, that Jameis would have his opportunity. So this is the time now for Jameis's opportunity. We saw Sean Payton stay true to his word with Taysom. He'll do the same thing for Jameis and make sure that both of them get a fair shot in their opportunities at becoming the starter week one. But we'll see who wins out on and off the field before the season rolls around. Who's going to start a cornerback opposite Marshawn Lattimore if he's even starting week one because he could be suspended? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the most logical person to point to that's on the roster presently is probably Patrick Robinson. Yeah. And I know a lot of Saints fans maybe don't want to hear that, uh, but he's the most logical one, right? He's a veteran. He understands the playbook. He's been there. He did it last season, and he has played football in the last two years. Paulson Adebo, there's probably not a cornerback in the outside of the top two that I was higher on than Paulson Adebo, and I'm still very high on him. I think he'll be a very good cornerback in the NFL is very excited to see New Orleans make him their third round selection, particularly trading up to get him, showing him that they really wanted him in New Orleans. But we have to see how he progresses during training camp before we can slap a starter tag on him. The guy hasn't played football since November of 2019, meaning that when the regular season starts in September of 2021, that's nearly two years removed. It's 22 months since the last time that he played full speed on field football 
at a competitive level. And I think that he's an extremely good player. He has great ball instincts, former wide receiver, great ball skills, um, disrupts passes, good understanding of, of, of the opposing receiver's moves and route tree and route combinations on the offensive side. He does a lot of things well. But you just have to wait and see about how he's going to be able to develop and transition all of that to the NFL level. We haven't been able to see that yet. So Patrick Robinson is probably the most logical starter at this time. But we'll see if Paul Tanadibo can step up or if there's another cornerback that ends up joining the team. Ross Jackson has been our guest at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Last one for you, Ross. The uh, the preseason schedule officially announced in terms of where and times. Um, Saints are going to be playing... Uh, the Ravens on August 14th at 6 on the road. Then they're at home against Jacksonville on a Monday night at 7. Then against Arizona at uh, 7 o'clock five days later. It's the preseason. Only three games this year. I am one of those annoying individuals that complains about the preseason every year but still watches it partially because I'm curious, partially because it's it's my job. Uh, it just always feels like a tease. Like I can't. When everyone's like, oh, my God, football's back. I'm like, no, it's not. This is football practice. Right. It's just on TV. It's not real football. Um, and, and yet I try to, you know, latch on to a story of a player that'd be cool if they made the team or, you know, kind of take a pulse of what the fans are into. But it's like, it's so, it's just, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that fans get so into every year and by like literally like week two of the regular season, they don't remember any of it. Like, no one remembers what the Saints did in the 9 preseason. Like, no one remembers. You know, I say no one. Most people don't. You know, there's a big story. The the returner, right? Was it Rod Harper? Oh, man. he's. Mm-hmm. Let's, I hope he makes a team. Well, he did, and he didn't play a game, and he was on IR. And no one remembered because the Saints won a lot of games and won the Super Bowl. Like, it's just right. – it's that's the preseason to me. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling. What, what's your approach to the preseason as, like, an analyst and someone that covers the team and – and the follow-up question I'll just ask now, does it change a little just being that there's only three games this year instead of four? Yeah, so I mean, the things that you're really looking at within the preseason are opportunities under the lights and in-game situations to settle positional battles. And for, I don't want to call them bottom-of-the-roster guys, but there's some truth to that statement, trying to fight their way into 53-man roster consideration or practice squad consideration. So those are really the things you're looking at. You're looking at places where there's conflict, at the player, you know, who the, who the player is going to be. And then you're looking at, you know, um, second, third string guys to see who's competing and showing you that they deserve to be there. And specifically keep an eye on special teams as well, particularly in coverage units, right? The, you know, gunners, the uh, players that are covering and trying to make tackles on kickoff returns and punt returns. Those are the other things that you're really looking at. And this year we get a puncher battle, which is going to be really interesting. Um, I love special teams. So this is kind of uh, an exciting year because there's a very important role to be filled at the gunner position with losing Justin Hardy over the off season, potentially one of the bigger losses for the team because he was such a pivotal uh, reason that the Saints had only allowed, I think it was six punt return yards last year or something like that. It was something wild. Uh, and so, you know, you look at all of that, and those are kind of the things uh, that you're watching through. And it is going to be a little bit different this season, not only with the three games, but the cut schedule is different, too. After the first game, five players are cut. After the second game, another five players are cut. And then after the third game, you go from 80 to 53, and then you can bolster up the uh, the, the practice squad with players that clear waivers from there. And so that'll be the other part that'll be interesting to see is how that gets handled. Who are the first five players cut? Are they players that were 
seen in the first preseason game but didn't have a good showing, or do they end up being players that didn't get to get out on the field and therefore, you know, the Saints have to move on from to see what the criteria is that the first five players, five to ten players cut throughout the preseason meet. I'll be rooting for Deuce Wallace. I hope he uh, gets things done mm-hmm. on special teams. But, you know, the Saints, uh, it, for years, outside of Morstead, it didn't seem – I don't want to say maybe they didn't put an emphasis on special teams, but it just wasn't good. Like, there was a long stretch there mm-hmm. what was bad. And over the last four years, it's been – it's been you know, Morstead played hurt last year, so that might be one exception. But for the most part, the coverage, the emphasis they put on it with – you know, oh, JT Gray only played two preseason games. Oh, yeah, but guess what? His college coach, he's on this roster. What does this guy do? Amazing special teams. Justin Hardy, not with the team right. anymore, but got a good deal. Why special teams? When it comes to those last cuts and fans probably going to focus on who's going to be the last receiver, who's going to be the last corner, it's always which one plays the best special teams. Like, that's that's what the Saints yep. are going with here. And it's and it's paid off in, in, you know, wins the last couple of years. That shift to let's spend a lot of time and, and a lot of energy and effort on that phase of the game, it's uh, it's proved to, to be a big impact for them the last four years. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. And, you know, the Saints have loaded up, particularly in the undrafted free agent market, with players that can be, you know, potential special teamers. You mentioned Deuce Wallace. You can look at Wisconsin safety Eric Burrell, who was a star special teamer for Wisconsin before he became a starting safety. Uh, Lawrence Woods out of Truman College, who not a lot of people have heard of, but, you know, he was a, you know, conference special teams player of the week, special teams player of the year. Um, he was an outstanding gunner, had four kickoff return touchdowns over the course of his time at Truman College. I mean, they have options at that position to be able to repopulate a guy like Justin to maybe grow another undrafted free agent star out of that. Remember, they turned uh, JT Gray, who you mentioned, as somebody that played two preseason games and was an undrafted free agent. They turned him into a second-team All-Pro with what he does at special teams. And, of course, he helped turn himself into that as well. I can't give just New Orleans Saints credit for that, but they have an eye for it. And it's something that they emphasize as a full-on third phase of the game and not just a, a forgotten phase of the game. All right, Ross, we got to let you run, man. I've kept you long enough, but I really appreciate it. Guys, if you're not following him, go do it. He's got the blue check mark. At Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, check out his podcast, Locked On Saints podcast. He's part of the Locked On Network. He is the co-managing editor of Canal Street Chronicles, the Saints SB Nation blog. Check out his stuff there as well. Appreciate all the time, man, and uh, let's chat again in the future. Absolutely, Scott. Always a pleasure and always good to hear from you, man. Stay safe and we'll chat again here soon. All right, brother. Have a good one. You too. Good stuff from Ross Jackson. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back. Amazon is now going to be airing Thursday night football games. Exclusive package. They spent a lot of money on it. What is their setup going to look like? Who's going to broadcast these games? Well, if Amazon has their way, they're going to fork out a lot of money to a guy in his mid-70s. But guess what? It's a guy that I wouldn't mind calling those games. NBA playoffs, NCAA regionals in baseball, big upset in the Women's College World Series to kick things off as well. Steve Pelequin joining me at 830. Lots of stuff coming up. Open phone lines next. It's the Great Scott Show. It's a Friday. Y'all don't go anywhere.
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Sure shot. Thanks to Ross Jackson for coming on. Hope everybody is safe out there on the roads. It is uh, another rainy day. Looks like it's going to be somewhat rainy weekend. Shower, thunderstorms throughout the day. Cloudy, high of 85. Vehicle accidents um, being reported. Uh, check that. Road hazard being reported on the corner of West Congress and Felicia Drive just a couple of minutes ago. And uh, fire alarm uh, going off at 103 West Marshall Avenue. Other vehicle accidents, It's uh, it's been uh, re- accident reported at uh, corner of Pinnock and College Saloon at 720. Be safe out there, everybody. Amazon. Amazon's taken over. Amazon is in the NFL game. Now they've they've streamed some games on Thursday nights while it was also being streamed on NFL Network or Fox. They have streamed a Saturday game or games late in the season. Well, beginning in the 2022 season, Amazon will be the exclusive broadcast partner of Thursday Night Football. So they'll air all the Thursday night games this year, but you'll have some of the simulcasting going on. But but after this season, that's it. You better have Amazon Prime if you want to watch Thursday night football games. By the way, they paid $1 billion a year to air Thursday night football games. Uh, it's the NFL's first all-digital package. So when you're Amazon, you got a lot of money, you can do that. And according to the New York Post, they want Al Michaels to be the voice of Thursday Night Football. Now, Michaels has one year left on his on his deal as far as being the play-by-play guy for Sunday Night Football and NBC. Al and Chris Collinsworth. You know, Al, it really is a culmination. Uncle Al, you just you're betting lines. Michaels is seventy-six. He is scheduled to broadcast the uh, the next Super Bowl in Los Angeles, which will air uh, on NBC. But do you go after him? I mean, he'll be 77 in November, which means the start of a deal, if he decides to sign with Amazon, why wouldn't he? You want to keep broadcasting? Do it. You want to be in a primetime slot? Yes, yeah, Thursday night football, but 77 you take over as the voice, and yet – no one's going to suggest that would be a bad move. Michaels could also keep doing some stuff with NBC, like occasional football broadcasts, Olympics coverage, golf coverage, et cetera, et cetera. But Mike Tirico is eventually going to take over for Al Michaels, and at some point, many expect Drew Brees to be the guy that replaces Collinsworth. So your Sunday night football could end up being Mike Tirico and Drew Brees. This year, though, Breeze will be on Monday Night Football in America on the panel as an analyst, and then he'll do uh, some of the network's Notre Dame football broadcasts. Breeze will have to share a set with Chris Sims. Huh. Huh. One of those is not like the other. 58 after the hour. NBA playoffs. The Lakers eliminated last night. A lot of hot takes, a lot of piling on, 
Nothing wrong with that. But also a lot of national pundits freaking out because now they're not sure what they're going to do to get through the next two months. I'll explain next. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Scott Show, the great sports callers, open think tank. Eight o'clock hour on deck. Now at the plate, rather. Welcome in, everybody. Phone lines are open for you this hour. 210-77-269-1077. The NBA playoffs. We saw first last night, for the first time in his illustrious career, LeBron James was eliminated in the first round of the NBA playoffs. So there were a couple of years where he didn't make the playoffs, once with the Lakers, a few times, like maybe his rookie year with Cleveland. But this is a guy that typically is playing into the postseason. I mean, he's played 264 playoff games, which is ridiculous. One of them was last night. And the Lakers, they, I mean, that game started at the Stable Center and Phoenix came out. They were just looking for blood. There was no hesitation. And any time, I mean, you know, the Lakers would, oh, they've they've cut it to 18. They've hit a couple of threes. The crowd's getting into it. Could this be a comeback? Chris Paul gets the floor, gets, you know, gets the ball, calms everyone down, crosses midcourt, takes his time, gets a pick, hits a 12-footer, bucket, no biggie, let's all calm down. There's no way Phoenix is losing this game. Rinse. Repeat. That game was over in the first half. That game was over whenever it became abundantly clear that Anthony Davis was not going to be able to play. His agent, Rich Paul, once said he would have never let Kevin Durant play in a game where he could have been re-injured. Of course, it was the game that Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals hurt himself and couldn't come back, and they eventually lost to the Toronto Raptors. But Anthony Davis plays last night because the team doctor said, you look good to go. Clearly he was not good to go. He got on the court and his groin was like, yeah, those doctors, they made a mistake. In this series flipped when AD got hurt late in game three. The Lakers were up two games to one. You weren't sure if Chris Paul was going to be able to play much in this series. Everything was pointing to the Lakers getting by Phoenix. Oh, poor Monty Williams, poor Phoenix, poor Chris Paul. What's going to happen? They didn't want your sympathy. They said, nah, forget that. And they, 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 they rolled them three games in a row. Boom, series over. Four games to two. 
So, yeah, they got a 17th title last season, but this season they had to be in the play-in game. They got some work to do. And Pelicans fans are saying, yeah, looking a little bit older. Maybe those picks in a few years and the swap rights might not be that bad. We'll see. I I just want to say the Phoenix Suns are a fun team. Monty Williams deserves it. Just he he deserves it, man. He deserves it. Devin Booker was going nuts. Crowder was hitting threes, taunting the crowd. I mean, it's forty-seven points for Devin Booker. I mean, what a what a great spot for Phoenix right now, because your young All Star that you have homegrown has a big moment in a big way. And then, you know, your veteran Chris Paul doesn't have to play big minutes. He gets to win. But more than anything, Monty Williams. I know I say it a lot, but guy's been through a lot. Had never won a first-round series before. Uh, and uh, they got by the Lakers last night. And, you know, yeah, I, I think if AD doesn't get hurt, the Lakers probably do win that series. But he did, and they didn't. And Phoenix has now won five consecutive closeout games in best-of-seven playoff series. Although, to be fair, Phoenix hadn't closed anybody out since San Antonio in the 2010 Western Conference semifinals before Kobe Bryant and the Lakers beat him in the conference finals. It's been a while since Phoenix has been in this situation, but a little playoff history for you. 269-1077. Denver beats Portland last night. They eliminate him. Portland never could get that big lead that they probably should have got. Jokic is a beast. Those two teams will meet in the next round. ESPN 1420 and.com. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Get rid of Schroeder. Get rid of Gasol. Get rid of Matthews. And please get rid of Kuzma. It's time to make a move. Um, I think Dame, Dame Lillard's at a crossroad in his career. Yeah, we know about dedication. But come on, man. You'll never win there. You know, you know, I'm not knocking him. He can make more money than he can. I'm not. I'll never talk about a player's money. That's not my style. So he's going to make all the money he can by being in Portland. You need to reconsider, man, and get with someone. I don't care if it's LeBron. I don't care who it is. You need to reconsider. You will never win in Portland. This um, the medical staff need their ass whipped for putting that man out there on the court. Uh, the man he's been banging up the whole year, nagging injuries, and, and you know what? I you said medical staff, not him, right? Medical staff put him out there. He said he would play if the doctor said he could, and they looked at him and they said he could. What what Drummond was? He, why why he didn't play last night? I don't know. I'm not saying know. it would have made a difference, but but put a, you know some some type of defensive presence, something uh, like I said, man. Um, it's all good, you know. Um, shout out to Phoenix. No, I guess I could say, you know, I'm a, but it's going to be kind of a lack of days ago approach to it. I'm not really running to see who's playing. Like, like Ron said, I grew up Ron. I want my sitting the Hawks to do something. You know, they might. It depends on uh, MB situation. Who knows? Uh, you know, Clint Capella, he's a, he's a monster when it comes down to getting on boards in his defensive presence. Um, so who, who knows if uh, MB is going to play. But, um, Come on, Giannis, do something for me, man. Let, let's do. Let's get rid of this team. Please get rid of the Nets. Uh, but I don't know. It's not. I don't know, man. It's gonna be Nets and 
Nuggets, Nets, and whoever, man. Could be Clippers if they win uh, tonight in um, the next game. But I don't think they have the chemistry to make a run to the finals. I don't even know if they're going to get out of the first round. Who? The Clippers. Clippers? Yeah, but... That team doesn't like each other, man. You can, you can, you could see that the, the chemistry on that team is bad. So, what, what players though? What what players do you think gonna get along? I mean, I don't even know if it's a get along thing as much as like like Kawhi Leonard is gonna fit in better when he's on a team where he's not looked at as like the guy, if that makes sense. Not to say that he's not necessarily the best player. Right, but look at look at the teams he's had the most success with when he won a title in San Antonio Cup or he won one in Toronto. Like he was on teams that had great chemistry. He got to Toronto already great chemistry, right? They had it. They've been building it for a while. He goes to LA to be like the guy. Paul George, I mean, you know, he's he's had some stops where he didn't always get along with teammates. I don't know that it's the quite doesn't get along with teammates as much as he's just not He's not somebody that's like going to bring a team together. It's just not that kind of personality. And so they just don't really have that on that team. And then they traded some, you know, older guys that had been there for a while that that had some respect. They did, I, I watched that team and I'm like there's no flow, there's no chemistry. They just they it's like they convinced themselves that they have this that the world's against them. Like they say all these things. Everyone's against this. Like actually no one really cares all that much. I don't know. Every everything about the Clippers to me feels manufactured and just not not just not just real. If that's the case, well he needs to take he needs to go get in his car and go to El Segundo. And and, and you know, that's where the Lakers uh, headquarters are located, right? That's where he needs to go and see what's up, man. That's that's who we should have signed with in the beginning, but you know I understand why he didn't do it. You know maybe the whole super team thing, but like I said, man, some some heads need to get be rolled out there in Los Angeles. Um, and, and I do agree with Leron. I'm not, Leron, uh, I do agree with uh, Ron. Um, Lebron, Lebron was also banged up, man. We we need to um, we, we can't forget that he was hurt, but. But so is Chris Paul. I mean, a, a lot of this this condensed season of seventy two games in the short amount of time factored in with the with the, the 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 testing. Right, that's something that you finally get a day off as a player this year, which were few and far between. When you got to go to the facility at seven in the morning to go get tested, like it was an exhausting season. And a lot of the season is going to come, and these players are going to come down to. Who can finish the marathon? That's so much a part of this. A lot of teams have guys that are dealing with injuries right now, key guys. You mentioned Embiid. That could very much dictate what happens in that Hawks Sixers series. So it's a it's a marathon, man. Who can get through it? That's so much about what this this. So I, I don't want to just point to the Lakers because they were eliminated, like you know, and not point out that Paul's dealing with an injury and playing through it, and a lot of other teams are dealing with them too. Dame, I think you need to sit down, man. Reconsider. You know, let's, let's sit down. Let's think about this because it's time to make a move, man. You had a they're crossroads. Not, they're not. They're not. He's not leaving. They're gonna make some moves why, this why off season. They're gonna make some moves this off season. Lillard's, Lillard's not leaving. Well, I'm not saying Lillard to the uh, Lakers. I'm just saying Lillard got it, man. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what takes place, man. All right, thank you. Thank you. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Of the teams that have won the last nine NBA championships, all of them have been eliminated. 
you got to go back to the Mavericks who won 10 years ago as the most recent champion still in the postseason. And they might get to the next round. And if they do, they'll get they'll get stomped by Utah. They got to get by the Clippers. They have a chance to close them out tonight at home, by the way. Eight o'clock. You can hear the broadcast here on ESPN 1420. Some national talking hands are upset, though. What can we talk about now? We can't just say, oh, this I okay, there's no, there's no glamour teams left in the postseason. So you can't just say, oh, the best player on this other team that I don't watch needs to go to a glamour team. You, you know, that's can't do it now anyway. You might actually have to watch the games. I, I how much uh, I, I'm just anxious to see what some of the 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 big talking heads do and how much they break down a series between Denver and Phoenix or Utah and Dallas or Utah and the Clippers. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, it'll get plenty of play because Brooklyn, they'll talk about it, and Giannis, but mainly just Brooklyn. And the, and the, but Atlanta, Philly, yeah. One series still left to be decided in the first round, that being the Clippers and the Mavs could end tonight. If not, um, Game 7 will be on Sunday, and you can, again, hear that right here on ESPN 1420. 269-1077, 269-1077. Seven seven. You can email me as well, Scott at ESPN fourteen twenty dot com. Here's a email I got last hour from Jack. Scott, listening to the conversation between you and Ross, you mentioned the USFL. Did I hear that right? Are they making a comeback? Um, they did announce they whoever. I'm not even sure who owns the rights to the USFL now. But, uh, but yes, they, the USFL, did announce that it will relaunch in the spring of 2022. It'll be the first incarnation of the USFL since it had those three seasons back in, what, the 1983 to 85? The team wants to use the, the uh, original team names. They want to have that same red, white, and blue star and stripes logo. If anyone out there can remember the original dozen teams in the U.S., you've got my respect. I mentioned the New Orleans Breakers. They were not one of the original. They played one season at the Superdome back in 84. But here's your 12 teams. The Philadelphia Stars, the Boston Breakers, New Jersey Generals, Washington Federals, Michigan Panthers, Chicago Blitz, Tampa Bay Bandits, Birmingham Stallions, Oakland Invaders, Los Angeles Express, Denver Gold, and Arizona Wranglers. Fox Sports, which has a minority equity stake in the company that now owns the new USFL, will be the official broadcast part. And let me tell you something. The league is going to fail. Just like all the other leagues that have come around, the AAF, the XFL, the USFL, it doesn't matter. The Arena League isn't even around anymore. And the Arena League lasted a while because it was different. It was very different. I say fail. Like, if the USFL actually thinks it's going to be some kind of money maker, then yes, it's going to fail. 
you still have a National Arena League. You still have some minor league football teams and, 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 you know, various places around the country. But none of those players or coaches are making real legit money. They're having fun. They're living a dream. They're kind of getting a, a very small paycheck, maybe some housing and some, you know, coupons to go eat somewhere. But that's it. That's it. See, you see the USFL, there's going to be this hype, and can they do it? And every time you see one of these leagues come around and try to be anything more than fluff, it just doesn't work. Like, do you watch Canadian professional professional Canadian basketball games? The CFL is different. The CFL has worked for a long time, and, and it is, you know, in Canada, and it's it's its own entity, and the country is very much behind it. But trying to start another football league in the United States to have any kind of sustainability and really turn a real dollar, we're not going to see it. The NFL has the monopoly. The NFL has the power. The NFL has the money. So, yeah, you can have some minor leagues. That's fine. Minor, It's essentially what it is, except in minor leagues, it's an actual farm system for Major League Baseball. Not really the case with some of these minor leagues around football, but they're more of just entertainment. Let's 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 go let's go to this let's go to this thing. The same way you'd say let's go to the fair. Just go try to be entertained for a night. Cheap. Get some concessions, sit back. But you're not out there following the team's schedule week to week, traveling, reading about it covering it. No, you're not. But after more than 35 years of being idle, the US, the USFL is going to uh, attempt to come back. Good luck to them. They're going to need a lot of it, a whole lot. Speaking of fairs, Cajun Heartland State Fair happening now, presented by LUS. Got the new Gold Star Midway, thrilling rides, all kind of fun stuff happening, guys, over at Cajun Field. And uh, still happening all the way through this Sunday. Don't miss your chance. If you're listening online, ESPN 1420 live on your desktop or mobile device via our mobile app and in connected, smart, connected cars and on smart speakers. That is brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Will Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. The NCAA Regionals getting underway today. LSU, boy, if you're planning on watching that one. It'll be a late night, 9 o'clock first pitch on ESPNU against Gonzaga. Gonzaga finished with, what, the 27th, I think, RPI in the country, LSU 28. Nice straight time, 33rd time overall for LSU being in the in the, uh, in the the regionals. Landon Marceau tonight, Alec Jacob, he is a beast, the right-hander for Gonzaga. 7-1 and one on the year. Really good, really good. But Marceau's pretty dang good, too. You look at 6-5, and five, you're like, oh, well, look at the ERA. This will be fun. NCAA regionals are fun. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll cover them a good bit next week after the first weekend is in play. We've got, uh, I think, Glenn Gilbo, who covers LSU, scheduled to join me on uh, Monday morning around 8 as we will uh, recap what's going on with LSU. We'll see how they do. But I think it, I think you know the Eugene Regional. You got the Northwest Powers that are trying to spoil 
Maneri swan song here. But you've got some good ones, man. You've got some good regionals here. I think the Austin regional looks to be a lot of fun. Southern is at that one, but Arizona State and Texas is the as Texas and Arizona State is the one and the two. Then you got Fairfield. Don't overlook them, but I that's that's one I'm looking forward to. The Sun but you know, the the the, the Sun Devils, they got the Pac twelve defensive player of the year. Austin Regional between Texas and Arizona State. Looking forward to it in a big way. Women's Cowboys, they had a big upset on day one. A lot of fun. Big upset on day one. James Madison taking down Oklahoma. We'll talk a little bit about that. Talk NBA playoffs because my next guest's favorite team is the Dallas Mavericks, who have a chance to close out tonight the L.A. Clippers and Dallas is at home. The problem is they haven't won a home game yet this postseason. We'll dig into that. Al Michaels' career, NBA playoffs, and more. Steve Peliquin joining me in studio next. It's ESPN 1420. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN 1420.com. ESPN 1420.com. Are you a chronic pain sufferer, meaning that you've had pain lasting longer than 12 weeks? This is Dr. Kevin asking you to finally address your pain in the proper way. Taking over-the-counter meds by the handfuls can damage your liver and kidneys, and taking prescription pain meds can become addicting, and the saddest part is it's never even getting to the cause. I've spent the last 24 years working with chronic pain patients. My program deals with the specific areas of the body that are in pain, whether it be knees, spine, shoulders, or no matter what you've been told, such as it's bone on bone or it's arthritis or it needed surgery. Life is too short to suffer when a permanent solution is just down the road. If you're losing your life's enjoyment, time with your kids or hobbies or unable to do the things you want, then give me a call. If I can't help you, I promise I will not waste your time. Give the local expert a call, Dr. Kevin at 983-CARE. That's 983-C-A-R-E or drkevinsclinic.com. Need guidance in a legal matter? Turn to the ESPN 1420 legal authority, Glenn Armentor. Whenever a person is injured performing work-related activities, a different set of legal criteria, rules, and laws apply. Workers' compensation cases from a law firm with vast workers' comp experience. Free legal guidance from the Glenn Armentor Law Corporation. It's easy. Go to ESPN1420.com and click on the legal authority. Workers' comp cases are much more complicated for those hurt offshore than for others. Special laws apply and governmental regulatory agencies can get involved. If you've been hurt working offshore, call us. With experience not just in workers' comp, but in offshore workers' comp and injury cases. This message has been brought to you by the ESPN 1420 Legal Authority, Glenn Armentor. For free help with your legal matter, go to ESPN1420.com and click on the Legal Authority. Announcer is a non-attorney paid spokesperson. Your safety has always been priority one at GiveMeTheVin.com. At GiveMeTheVin.com, the transaction is online and over the phone. And then we pick up the vehicle with no direct contact and provide your check indirectly. Don't risk your safety with retailers or strangers. Just go to GiveMeTheVin.com, enter your VIN number and a picture or two, and get your best offer quickly and safely. Get your best bid and a check on the spot with Give America's best and safest car buyer. Sell us your car. GiveMeTheVin.com. So easy you can do it in your underwear. 
Okay, three dozen by tomorrow morning. Yeah, the roses and Faraz's the Faraz's flower shop is blooming. To keep up with high demand, he must strengthen his business's roots. Uh, just, just one second. Faraz's flowers. Uh, hold, please. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to Faraz's. Indeed can help him hire the people he needs. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Start with everyone with a brand new puppy they cannot leave home alone. There he is now, disemboweling a sofa. Now narrow it to the puppy parents who need to get their prescriptions refilled today. For you, there's Walgreens same-day prescription delivery. Medication sent right to your door from the local Walgreens you already know and trust. So you can spend all day at home teaching your new puppy some manners. Elroy, roll over. Or just sit there and tilt your head. Aww. To join, text JOIN RX to 21525. Insurance claims must be properly documented. Having the right attorney can make all the difference in the world. Spencer Callahan is the one to see. Call 4652323. Primary office in Baton Rouge. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> and now a speech. I just want to say that friendship is about heart. Heart and brain. Who's with me? Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. And my brain is saying, when it's time to go home, somebody call me a ride. Love that guy. Me too. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Catch ESPN 1420, UL Rage and Cajun games, get breaking local sports news, listen to your favorite sports shows, and win prizes. Mm-hmm. Roger that. It's simple. All you got to do is tap that app. Yo, tap it. Tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap. The ESPN 1420 app, available for free on your smartphone or tablet. Tap that app. The ESPN 1420 app. He peaked athletically. In the seventh grade, he got hit a lot in dodgeball. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Host of Beyond the Game, Steve Paliquin joins me now. Stevie P, how much people ask? How many, how many times people ask for your autograph? All the time. All the time. <laughs> Why don't you charge for it? <laughs> I guess I should. Like uh, Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel told Barstool Sports about how in college a guy said, "I'll give you three grand to come sign a bunch of autographs." So he's like, "Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it." And I'm all for that. This was after he won the Heisman that next season, and um. He said that he signed like 10,000 pieces. And it's 10, like 30 cents an autograph. So later, someone else was like, Yeah, I, I could offer you more. How about you, you sign a bunch of stuff and I'll give you 30,000? Got 30,000. And he's out there telling everybody. And so the other day, he said, If the NCAA wants to take my Bleeping nine and four season away in my Chick Fil A bowl against Duke, bleeping blow me. <laughs> Way to go, Johnny! God, that guy's a mess. Yes, yeah, that guy's just a mess. Did you did you think he was going to be good? 
Absolutely not. I mean, either. No. I couldn't believe he no. went in the first round. No. But you know me. I'm not big on a lot of quarterbacks. Like Patrick Mahomes, I didn't think he was going to be good. Dead yeah. wrong about him. Yes, yes. You know, So I don't mind telling you when I'm wrong, but I was right about Johnny Manziel. I was way wrong about Mahomes, but I thought it was going to be more like accuracy. Yeah. Which, again, just, I mean, I, way wrong. Yes. With Manziel, it was everything. No, yeah. It was size. It was how he played. It was yeah. it was attitude. attitude. It was off field. It was everything. It was like, there's no way. It was Cleveland. <laughs> Yes. You know, there's just yeah. had zero chance. Guy. Two seasons. Yeah. Two seasons. Fleeced the Browns is what he did. Just fleeced them. Um, John Shire is going to be the next head coach at Duke. When you got a name like Shire and it rhymes with fire and you're replacing a legend, is this is this going to is this going to be bad? I think so. You never want to be the guy that replaces the legend. No. You know, you just you just never do. Oh, and the name is, escapes right now. I see his face. Uh, who replaced uh, Dean Smith? Yeah, yeah, when the North bad Carolina. coach, yeah yeah, 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 you know, you can't. I mean, Indiana, you know, it just, it just never. You never want to be the guy that replaces the legend. That's just, that's just the way it is. Unless maybe you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, who you know just pick good coach after good coach. I think that has a lot to do with the front office. But. Hubert Davis, yes, yeah. It's like, but I think, I think like the Dukes and the Carolinas are always going to want to just choose someone that has that, mm. that uh, bloodline, that pedigree yeah. from the university. Because they know all the ways to like cheat and get away with it. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, kind of. Uh, Thirty-two after the hour. Uh, you're a Mavericks fan. Uh huh. I'm I'm nervous. You know, and and and, and I've been telling this story on my show, and I told it to you. There's a difference between the regular season and the postseason as a fan. I, you know, you want to have your little get-togethers, your little barbecues, and all this other stuff. And I know that a lot of that's a basketball, but I'm talking about like the Saints. And I and I made I made this statement for years: Are you ready? And people are like, oh, what do you mean? Am I ready? You know. And then what happened in 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 the uh, in the NFC Championship game against the Rams? Oh man, I was just crushed. I was just uh, I can't believe that happened. You got anything as a fan? And the Mavericks win the first two games of the uh, of the uh, of the series, and some donkeys. You know, I say that. With affection, because I think a lot of them were trying to be nice. People texting me, yeah, you know, congratulations, you won the series, you go into the to the Western Conference semifinals. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, it's it's two two games to none. Then the Mavericks lose the next two games. They looked awful. A lot of it had to do with Luca with his little neck strain. He loves massages, so now he feels better. But uh, what kind of massage? <laughs> then the Mavericks lose the next two games. They're, oh boy, your team blew it. Well, I'd be upset if I was you. And now they're telling me again it's over. No, Kat, it's three games to two. I want to win, though. Road court advantage in this series. Now, well, I guess the Clippers have it tonight because the game's in <laughs> Dallas. If if the Clippers lose tonight, does Kawhi Leonard opt out and go elsewhere next year? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. See, I'm still saying that that I think there's a good possibility that he can wind up at the, at Golden State. It makes sense, you know. They got a little bit of money. I mean, he's not going to get like max money, but they got a little bit of money. He stays in California. Well, he um, gets to go to a team that has good chemistry, and he can just yes be weird and be himself. Yes. I say weird. I mean, I you know, he's not again. He's not a guy that when he was in San Antonio, they had a strong core already. Yes. When he went to Toronto, great chemistry team yes. had a strong core. So he wasn't having to be the guy that everyone's looking at. Right. He goes to L.A., a lot of special treatments, been well documented. Yeah. But if you can have – and look, LeBron gets special treatment. Chris Paul gets – guys get special treatment, but they're able to sort of rally the troops right. and get the teams to follow them. Kawhi's just kind of like, hey. <laughs> 
You know, I was telling you, too, the Clippers are a team that I— Now, obviously, even if I did like them, I'd be pulling against them because they're playing against the Mavericks. But the Clippers are, are a team because they've never won a championship, because they were bad for so long, because they've been the stepchild in L.A. Forget about the Lakers. I mean, they're well behind the Los Angeles Kings and the Dodgers and the Angels and every team in Los Angeles. They're an afterthought. They're a team that I should like. And and if they weren't playing the Mavericks tonight, I, I'd be very much pulling against them. I just thought the Clippers, man. Donald Sterling and <laughs> <laughs> the Clippers. I don't know, man. I used to like the Clippers because they were bad yes. and the Saints were bad. And I was like, I can relate. Yes. Like when I was young. That's what I'm saying. But I just don't like that Grand Theft Auto looking uniform, all that stuff. They should they always the Clippers always felt like a team that should have been in San Diego. Yeah. ESPN 1420.com, 269-1077 is the phone number to call. If you want to get on the show, welcome into the show. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are y'all? Good. Good. Um, look, man, I'm a, I'm a basketball guy. I'm a basketball coach. I'm sitting out in front of Turling's Catholic fixing to coach a game over here. And uh, <clears throat> this, time of, this time of year tends to remind me, because uh, I had a little something to do with uh, ice gators back in the day. It reminds me about um, – about hockey, and I tend to occasionally jump over and watch some Stanley Cup stuff, you know, in um, you know, in between in between games or what have you with NBA. And uh, I would encourage some people, man, to uh, you know to you know take you know who's basketball fans, you know, occasionally you get these games for basketball. For instance, the other day where uh, the Nets were you know won 141 to something crazy. Um, you know, players tend to, you know, the, the starters, the stars are on the sidelines, and it's, a, it, it, it's basically not fun to watch. Then I jumped over and watched the Cal Avalanche beating the snot out of um, Vegas. I think it was 6-1. to one. There's two minutes left in the game, and starters are still out there. They're banging people against the boards. And I think about, man, if I could get my, if I could get my basketball team – to play with that kind of energy, it's um, it, you know, it's it's just incredible, uh, you know, and it just reminds me of it. I know hockey's not a big as big as it was it used to be down here, but um, you know, just a little break, you know, jump over to the other channel, NBC, and watch that for a second, and uh, I'm gonna actually do a little, you know, homework for my kids today to see if they'll go out and take a look and see how hard those guys play. It's it's fun to watch. Just wanted to throw that out there, just a little something different on a Friday, you know. All right, man. Appreciate, appreciate the you. call. Here's the problem. Flip over to what channel? Yes, that's part of it. <laughs> like, huh. so tonight, I mean, look, you had two overtime games last night, which are fun. Yeah. Can you tell me what channel it was on? No. Tonight, there's two games. They're on USA and the NBC Sports Network. Once the NA, look, the NHL is coming back to ESPN. ESPN. And let me tell you something. That is going to help yes. the league immensely. Yes. Back when they had hockey games, because like when it gets to the NBA postseason, you go to you go to ESPN or TNT, mm-hmm. and then once it gets later in the playoffs, or if it's a Sunday, you go to ABC. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like entrenched in your mind, like you know where to go. Yeah, you're not like what channel is it on again? Yeah, like you're like you know it's one of those three. Oh yeah, hockey players are on. Oh cool. Wait wait where where do I go with this? What? And I have nothing against hockey. It's like I always say, sports is when you a kid. If I would have picked a hockey team growing up, see there was no there was no, I, there was no way for me to watch hockey around here when I was a kid. You had ABC, NBC, CBS. There was no hockey, so 
if I would if hockey would have been around on the station when I was a kid, I probably would have picked the team and I'd probably still be a fan today. But you know, as you grow older, your priorities change, and you know you got a little less time for sports, believe it or not. And um, uh, which sounds crazy because I work at a sports station, but it's true. You just got less time. So last thing I'm going to do right now is pick up a hockey team. <laughs> ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Hello. Yes, sir. But, excuse me. I have a suggestion for the last caller. I think he should quit coaching basketball and find some guys who can uh, maybe he can fill a hockey team, or he can move up north and uh, coach a hockey team. Since his players are not as dudes, or um, that, that's my suggestion. I think he should go ahead and quit basketball, find some athletes who want and uh, try to fill a hockey team. I don't know what school he coach, but uh, I think that's I think that would be a, a nice suggestion for the last caller. Thank you. <laughs> Why? 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 Well, I think that, you know, uh, there is perception, though, is a funny thing. You know, I I heard it last night on the Lakers game. I'm talking about Anthony Davis and, you know, people talking about, oh, man, what happened to the days of Willis Reed? Where Willis Reed came out and he played on cat. Go back and look at the box score for that game. Okay. Anthony Davis at least tried last night. Couldn't go. Willis Reed came limping onto the court. Same thing as Anthony Davis. He hit his first two shots, and the rest of the game he was almost non-existent, just like Anthony Davis. What was the difference? Clyde Frazier for the Knicks scored like 37 points and dished out like 17 assists in that game. That was the difference. Was that all oh, ball Willis Reed? You know, he he played on one leg and he scored 50 points and he grabbed 30 rebounds. That's not true. Perception is just a funny thing. Remember so when I think that Paul Pierce came back injured, but really yeah. he just pooped himself. Yes. <laughs> That's what happened. The cat came back in a wheelchair. I mean, hockey. Look, hockey play playoff hockey. Guys are into it. It's great, but late in the game, you're not going to leave starters out on the court. It's a marathon. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a marathon. Uh, well, I don't, and I look, think that's the perception. I don't. I don't, I don't. But I also don't know enough about hockey or don't the NHL to really. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, you, I don't, know, yeah. you could turn it on and tell me they're going yeah. all out. Like I would believe you because yes. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know. I still say though, and I've I've said this for years. If ESPN now, of course, they're not going to do that because it's national. But if ESPN, which is still great at thirty for thirty, I mean, I, I criticize ESPN sometimes, but their thirty for thirties are just magnificent. If they could pick like a thirty for thirty for every city and go back, I think a perfect one for Lafayette would be the rise and fall of the ice skaters. It was unbelievable. You did it right. Yes. You did it right. Hmm. It was wild. ESPN 1420. I think Massey's a good coach, by the way. Um, the ice skaters came at a time. There's a couple of things here. You had hockey, I think, reaching its peak popularity in, in places outside of its native land, if yeah. you will. That was when you had expansion. Mm-hmm. NHL 94, the video games, mm. it was suddenly in. It was cool. It was like, it was just, as a kid, I remember out of nowhere, it was like everyone was really into hockey. Some of it did have to do with <laughs> some of the NHL video games, but yeah. it was like, all it was just in. The idea of fighting, the idea of, um, so hockey reaches its popularity. It comes here at a time where, you, you know, you didn't have social media. You didn't have mm. the entertainment outlets you have now. You didn't have people that stayed at home to be entertained mm. as much. And it came in a time where there was another big oil boom in this area. Yep. And there was a lot of expendable income, a mm-hmm. lot of money. I mean, I remember, you know, being in junior high and just like 
you know, eighth grade, like, let's go to the game. Friend's mom would drop us off. It's just like, we're going to drop off the kids and not worry about them for a few hours. We'd walk around trying to, you know, hit on girls or whatever. (laughs) But it was just, it wasn't even, and then you'd you'd pretend to get into it. And I guess you would. You would cheer, Mm -hmm. and then you'd walk around and look for girls, and you'd sit back down. (laughs) And you had all these adults that were just wasted. and like. But it was a night out. It was this outing. Mm -hmm. It was like, for me, it was like all of those things happening at the same time. You can't recreate that. And you can't recreate Perfect that storm. energy. It really was. But the oil industry coupled with hockey reaching its peak popularity where I think for kids it was, I want to go there. Okay, cool. You go. You don't have to sit by me. I can have a night out too. Like, what a, what a nice thing for a parent, right? Yeah. Um, I remember I used to go to the games with a friend of mine who was into hockey. I'd tell my parents, like, it's really cool. They went to, like, one game, and it was the bloodiest <laughs> Dude, when I tell you, like, the, the it was just, there was this brawl, and there was blood all over the ice, and all these, <laughs> all these just drunk people were like, yeah, kill him, like, rip his head off. My parents were not, they did not enjoy it. They didn't go back. Huh? No, and they, they liked sports, but they were, and like, they, they had never been to a hockey game. Yeah. They were just like, this is not our scene. Like, this is, no. Or they were, we we're gonna we're gonna pass on this whole ice skaters thing. Of course, I I went for a while, and then like like so many others, it just sort of slowly fizzled slowly, away. Yeah. And then I remember going back once in high school with like a girl or something, and I was like, I don't know, man, I don't even think I like it that much. Like, yeah, I, it was the, the the atmosphere, the energy was gone, mm. all of it. It was it was a moment in time that'll never be that'll never be duplicated, that'll never be recreated, that could just, it can never happen again. No, they set attendance records in in, in, in in hockey, minor league hockey. I mean, here at the Cajun Dome, I would have never guessed that. I mean, they had people, now not every game, but there were some games people were scalping tickets. <laughs> to, to the, I was like, are y'all crazy? <laughs> but no, that's, that's how hot the ticket was at the time. Just, people would do that, yes. and then they'd go out to like scandals or something after that, and you know, that was their night, you know, Friday, Saturday. It, it, it really is crazy, man. It really is crazy <laughs> how that happened. ESPN1420N.com. I was laughing. Who was I talking about this with last week? Was it you? Yeah, you You and I were talking a few weeks ago about when the, the teams would do, like, come to the Cajun Dome, but they were, it was the Bulls are coming to play the Cajun Dome. Like, they'll, oh, yeah. Not, not Michael Jordan and Scottie right. Pippen, yes. you know, some of their end of bench players and summer league roster, yeah. maybe, but like, you go back to the early to mid '90s, man. It was such a different time. Did you go like, to any of those games? Know? Any of those preseason games? I went to one at the Superdome once. That was Bulls and like no, my, I the saw Superdome. the Sixers and the uh, I saw the Sixers and the Nuggets. I think it was that one. Now, of course, that was back in like '87, '88 at the Cajun Dome. And who played in that one? Nobody. <laughs> that was the G League they team. Which number, was, yeah, they, there was they no G League some, team back then. They had but, some names on the jerseys. Yeah. Like that's just it's not you know. And no, and I went over there. I was a little bit more level headed than uh, than others. I'm I'm thinking to myself at the time. Well, maybe I'm gonna be get to. Uh, uh, get to see some of the starters in in uh, in dress clothes, you know, on the sidelines. But they didn't even make the trip. <laughs> I was like thinking to myself, oh yeah. Everybody tells me that's when I gave up on preseason sports altogether. You know, I'm like, oh, preseason means nothing. Jay emails. He said, Wayne Gretzky, when he was with the Kings, helped with marketing and also helped with expanding the league in, into the Sun Belt. Yeah, Gretzky's star power was undeniable yeah. because you didn't even have to watch hockey to know. The great one. Yeah. He was in the, you know, he and Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson were like, they had a cartoon series, yeah. for crying out loud. So there, I think there was the idea of like people in non-hockey places 
thinking hockey was cool, even though they didn't know anything about mm-hmm. it. So let's buy hockey gear. Let's go to this game. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look, there's fights and there's there's other kids I don't know that go to other schools that I can go hang out with or talk to or whatever. There's parents that have to don't have to worry about their kids yeah. for a little while. It's it was uh And I and I know that they had the them them ice skate rinks around here too, but still it's 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 just different. Like when you were a kid, you know, you'd watch, you know, Bird go against Magic, Celtics and Lakers. And then what happened after the game? You you fired up, you want to go play basketball. So you go to, you know, a friend's house, your house, you shoot the ball, you know, baseball, football, kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's hard to do that in hockey around here, Cat. You know, oh man, well, I just well, watched the ice skating. Yeah, yeah, Let's go play yeah. hockey. No, well, roller hockey was, they still have the leagues and that became really, really big in the 90s in this area. Like you had some teams that you know, competed in some junior Olympic teams. But I I don't think any of that would have happened without the ice skaters, ice skaters. and that hockey boom at the time. Um, it was it was wild, man. Did you ever watch Roller Derby? No. <laughs> I, no. I'm talking about, like, the fake Roller Derby when no. they try to make it like wrestling. That's great. That's great stuff. No, I know about it, but I, I never I never watched it. Um, Jay Email says, uh, tell Steve it's street clothes, not dress clothes. Here's the thing about that. I hear that a lot, street clothes. And I've heard that. Yeah. That's been the term that's been used, like, as long as I can remember watching NBA games. Yeah. Like, I remember a game years ago when the Lakers were, like, in the finals or the playoffs, like, and Byron Scott won't play, and he's in street clothes. He's wearing, like, a suit. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but what, yeah, I'm just going to say, why is like, that, though? Why, like, I, what I realize is, man, I do not, my street clothes are a lot different than, yeah. <laughs> than, these, than players that have, like, money. My street, my idea of street clothes is, like, yeah. I got to go buy some milk at the store. I'm in sweatpants yeah. and, you know, some old shirt yeah. from, like, that's, like, 30 years old. Street clothes for, for NBA players are, yeah, those are more expensive than mine. He's right. 99% of the people stay, say street clothes, but I'm still saying dress clothes because that's what it is. It's, 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 it's a lot nicer <laughs> than, than like. my street clothes. Yeah. <laughs> their dress-up clothes are at a whole nother level if uh, if that's their street clothes. ESPN 1420. And, and you know, what would spawn this whole conversation. I I do think that if someone's like, hey, there's a hockey playoff game on, it's in overtime, next goal wins. Mm-hmm. Like, there is something exciting about it. But I almost feel like, especially down here, it's said more than it's actually watched. Like, oh, boy, it's so, so exciting. Yeah. So you got to see it. I mean, which team is going to outlast the other? They're all mm-hmm. exhausted. Like, yeah, I like that. But I'm still not rushing to a TV for no. And, and again, I don't know which channel it's on all the time. Like, I forget it's on. ESPN, when they left ESPN to, to, to do a TV deal with. Yeah, with, it was awful. That was the worst decision hockey could have, mm-hmm. NHL could have made. Um, but I don't, I don't, I might watch a little bit of the Stanley Cup, and that's it. Like, that's I don't even it. watch that. I, I can't remember the last hockey game that I watched. I don't think I've ever watched a hockey game from start to finish, including the 1980 Miracle on Ice, U.S. Olympic team. Well, that was on. Was that wasn't that on delay? It was. Yeah, it was on delay. Yeah, but at the time, you know, you, you know, you didn't yeah. watch it live. Yeah. It was on delay. Uh, I was at the skate rink at women's college world series. James Madison <sighs> beats Oklahoma day one. Uh, never would have expected it. I mean, Alexandria uh, uh, Odyssey pitched you know a standing softball yesterday. I mean, holding Oklahoma to three runs when they had scored like eighty. <laughs> I mean, in the in, in postseason play going into yesterday, she was fabulous. Gave them a chance to win uh, again. I had some people telling me yesterday, Ball Oklahoma has no chance. Now I'm I'm still bet that Oklahoma comes back and goes to the championship. You think game. they're going through the loser? Bracket. Yes, I think that's how good they are. You know, when but, UL beat Florida on day one back in what oh eight? Yes. What did Florida do in that tournament? How far did they go? I don't remember. They didn't win it, but um, 
they might have come back, go to the finals, if I'm not mistaken. They went pretty far. That was a, that was a fun opener, by oh, the way. Oh yeah, Holly Tankersley with the with the game winning home run. Who was, oh, the, yeah. who was the catcher that would use the 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 mitt from Home Depot that she had? It wasn't an actual. Oh, glove. Uh, the the uh, Lana Bowers. Yeah, yes. yeah, she didn't even have a real like catching glove. It was just <laughs> yeah, some. Like, it was like, yeah, man, that's one used on the farm. That was that was a fun team. Um, ESPN fourteen twenty, ESPN fourteen twenty dot com, and the ESPN fourteen twenty app. LSU. They're winning one game here, two games, none. What's happening? I think that Oregon's better. I think that Gonzaga's better. A lot of people not talking about Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga's pretty good. So I would say they're going to win one game. You know? So they'll beat Central Connecticut State yeah, in the. Yeah, they'll beat Central Connecticut State. Might win two, you know, because it's still LSU and they play at the SEC. You know, I mean, they're not complete donkeys. So, but is there something to be said for this being Manarius Swan song and players just wanting to win one for the Gipper? Yeah. We saw it with Florida State. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that, you know, there, there comes a time where talent's going to play out. And you got to keep in mind that, you know, LSU's got, like, you know, I'm not counting Central Connecticut. LSU's got the longest trip. That's a that's a long trip, yeah, to, to Eugene, Oregon. And, you know, that, that takes a lot out of you. And to play Oregon and really Gonzaga was really kind of right down the road, you know, a short plane flight away from, from Eugene. Uh, it just – it I didn't like LSU's draw. I didn't like where they were sent. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, for them, I say two wins maximum, but more likely one. ESPN fourteen twenty. <laughs> how long? Totally different subject. How long will Al Michaels call games for? Oh, you know, you bring, uh, every time It'll I hear Al Michaels, yes, in November. The first time that I ever heard Al Michaels, he was calling a game on this station, this frequency fourteen twenty. It was the nineteen seventy two. Uh, uh, National League Championship Series between the uh, uh, between the Reds and the Pirates, and I'm listening. I'm telling you, it's like 5:30 in the afternoon. I even remember the time. And uh, Johnny Bench hits the hits the home run to lift the Reds to the victory and keep the Pirates out of the World Series. And Michaels was going crazy with a high octane voice, and I'm like, listen to this cat. You know, he's pretty good. And then the next time I heard him, I was like, oh man, that's the guy from. See, everybody remembers Al Michaels. Do you believe in miracles? You know, talking about hockey. I remember him from the Johnny Bench home run. So you know, Al Michaels, yeah, getting up there in age, he's still outstanding. I mean, I think he's still he really, just he really, great. He really is, and and the voice is iconic, and it really hadn't changed much. So he's got one year left to call Sunday Night Football for NBC this year. Uh, he'll call the Super Bowl, which I think is in L.A., with Chris Collins. <laughs> I love you, Chris and Collins. Then, <laughs> and then, you know, he he might do some things here or there with NBC, but, like, the, the, the main weekly thing is done. Amazon, which will broadcast Thursday Night Football this year, but along with other platforms, beginning in 2022, will be the exclusive home of Thursday Night Football. All streaming. Yeah. Paid a billion dollars for it. They won Al Michaels. So he'd be 77, turned 78 during the season. And yet it's like, I, okay, do it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you hire? Yeah. You know, like Pat Summerall, he really struggled at the end of his career. Oh, yeah. That, that's, yeah. You're being yeah. nice. Yeah, but, but Al Michaels nice. Al Michaels is still good. So like, like when Summerall and Matt, Matt's 85 yeah. now, Summerall, rest in peace. But like when they were hitting that age, they were like done. Yes. It was over. Yeah. And and, and we I hadn't felt seen Madden in a while, and now Al's still out there, and it's yeah. like he's still he's still, he's still got the man. It. He's still he's the still man. Got it. You know he's uh, he's he's Al Michael. So Sunday Night Football, the future is probably going to be Tarico and Breeze. Looking yeah. like Tarico's a professional's down. professional, you know. 
Except he's the, good. He's not Al Michaels, but no, he's good. He's still, yeah, he's still good. I, I liked him obviously with Gruden. I, I, I think Breeze is going to be good. I what happens good. to what happens to Collinsworth? <laughs> You gotta have Collinsworth, huh? I mean, if if <laughs> if, if if Amazon pays Al, they need to pay Chris yeah. just so I can see. You know, Al, <laughs> streaming all the games. Who would have thought that here we are in 2022? And I can't wait. Amazon <laughs> Thursday Night Football. Al, Uncle Al, what's the betting That's line tremendous. here? You know, I never come in and do the show with you unless you promise to do Chris Collinsworth you know, I, for now. I, 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 I feel like the chains have been taken off, and we can really sink our teeth into Thursday night football. I can't wait. Steve is next with Beyond the Game. Enjoy your vacation, my friend. Stay tuned. CSPN1420.com. PQ presents Picture this Picture the Girl Scout Thin Mints Blizzard You see two iconic treats blending together in a mesmerizing swirl of pieces of Thin Mints cookies Cool Mint and world famous DQ Soft Serve